If you were to choose one entity out of Pandora's box that drives everything else, which would you think it would be? Greed? Envy? Hatred? Disease? Pain? Hunger? Poverty? War? Or death? Or is there something missing? Greed, envy, hatred, and war is what one does to another, while pain, hunger, poverty, and death are universal in any circumstance, whether you're alone or even in a group. I think the one that drives the rest would have to be pain. The pains of hunger, the debilitating pains of disease, the economic pain of poverty, the pain to a victim of greed, uh, envy, and hatred, the societal pains of war. Yet all of these are physical effects to the body. Pain is not a motivator in itself, unless as a sensation to pull your hand out of your cat's mouth. The thought of pain, or better yet, the fear of pain, is really the driving force. And here is the unexpected harmony. Fear is a driving force for courage. Did you notice fear is missing out of Pandora's box analogy? <laughs> I did. I was wondering why this powerful beast was missing when studying this. Fear is a highly charged, uncontrollable emotion about something real or perceived real of a danger or a threat. But as I studied it, the same word is used to denote subservient respect for something. This is the fear of God, the fear of man, the fear of state, the fear of your wife. These motivate us not to get into trouble. While the antonym of fear is courage, I think really the anatomy of courage is fear. Wait, what? Fear is anxiety, it's dread, terror, horror, fright, phobia. It's alarm. So how can these breed courage? An alarm does not exist to annoy you or to scare you, but to warn you, to to wake up, to wake you up. Ignoring these alarms could get you into real trouble. Alarms are to be investigated, to, to understand what's going on. Fear, like an alarm, doesn't have all the information, only that bad things are coming. It's adrenaline, a neurotransmission alarm system, alerting neurons to be ready to take quick action. It focuses our thoughts and our body on the problem by, by adding blood to those systems necessary for survival. Fear doesn't need a lot of thought to engage, only fragments of past experiences from the medulla to make a quick assumption. It's up to you to know to run or to fight, to take action. T minus 10 seconds and counting. Fear is when you're sitting still. Five, Courage four, is when you're standing three, up. Two, Courage is that one. moment when you engage the engines to act. At this point, Fear is gone, courage is complete, and life is now happening. I was watching Will Smith, the actor on his YouTube channel. He had a great little impromptu speech and added a video about his skydiving adventure and about going through the process from fear to activity. 
The video is, is called What Skydiving Taught Me About Fear, Storytime. His end quote puts it perfect. God placed the best things in life on the other side of fear. And as good as that is, I'd like to edit that a little bit. I think it's a little bit too wordy. How about God placed life on the other side of fear? Because honestly, once that rocket lifts off, the situation is going to be as good as it's going to be. Great, guys. Oh, I'm scared. Having fear is natural. It comes from experience. I see it all the time with young children experiencing something bad for the first time. Prior, they they think nothing of it. Like cluelessly pursuing pinch points and I'm like, Wah! And then you can hear the mental sticking note being written. Don't do that again. A little house of wisdom is filled with these caution sticky notes. Not a lot of details, just don't do this. The key point to this is understanding awareness. We don't have to know what it's like to fall from a plane to smash onto a ground to understand not to do that. We have our imagination to thank for that. Thinking through billions of death scenarios is something our brain naturally does. But what if you don't consider the dangers? President Roosevelt said, That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Catchphrase. Besides this not making any sense, I mean, really, I mean, why would I fear fear? That seems neurotic. So, no, Mr. President, I'm not going to fear fear. What I should do is understand the hazards that our fear is making me aware of. Not worrying about the hazard is a hazard. Honestly, to me, fear seems to be a process for change. It reminded me of Kebler Ross's model of the five stages of grief denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Fear seems to be a part of a stage of, of, of change. So, of course, I had to type that in the search engine. And yeah, there's models for that. There's a there's a model for the five stages of change. But fear wasn't listed. It was missing. Like, hmm. Without thinking too much about it, I'd say that the first stage would be rest or ignorance. Or just no alarms. Just boop to do you know, No reasons to be alarmed. The second would be the fear. Followed by rapid to deep thinking. Hmm. Followed by courage. I can do this. And ending with action. So, no fear, fear, Ah! thought, Hmm. courage. I can do this. Action. I suppose this could uh, happen in a flash. Fire! To an infinite amount of time. Honey, we're having a baby. Hmm. I can do this. Talking about fear, when I did the search for that on on the search engine, the Bible verse, Psalms 111 verse 10 came up and says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. And of course, I couldn't stop there. In Hebrew, this says, Rashid Achlen Arat Yehovah. Arat is the Hebrew word for fear, morally relevant, but also still means terror, afraid, dread, etc. It's more than a reverent nod and less than a debilitating terror. It's it's a complete package, a respect for the danger. So yet, it isn't just fear for fear's sake. 
But that was just the beginning of it. If I take this as my second step to do, to change my current situation, then fear is focus magnified. Maybe I should start my class with a bit of terror. <laughs> we really could use some more focus. Can you imagine that as my school curriculum? Welcome to the school of terror. You must learn to survive. <laughs> Sounds like public schooling. No matter what fearful situation you're in, thinking it through is the right answer. But when time is not available, you're forced to function on default on what you already know, leaning heavily on wisdom. Here's where fight or flight impulses happen. Will you fight or take flight? This is true even in moral dilemmas, as I talked about in the last podcast, about the participant in one of Milgram's experiment who was faced with a moral dilemma of giving increased electrical shocks to an experiment he thought was not ethical. He struggled with it, but continued, he thought, giving the learner increased amounts of electrical shocks to the very last level, and even repeated that last lever again and again to the end of the experiment. His fear was clearly not for himself, but for the other guy. He, he mentioned that. What he was feeling was frustration. The lab coat guy wouldn't check the condition of the learner. He just kept ordering the man to continue to questions. He did push back, but found resistance from the lab coat guy. Eventually, this gentleman changed his fight from protecting the victim to protecting himself. So, did he switch from fight to flight? He succumbed to the demands of the tyrant when the responsibility was lifted from him. Obviously, his morals were not as strong as I'm sure he had hoped they would be in a panic. I want to give you a quote from Michael Swab. While studying this, I came upon his article, Why is the World So Lacking in Moral Courage? He writes... Moral courage is what turns moral judgment into moral action. I'll say it again. Moral courage is what turns moral judgment into moral action. That's brilliant. I mean, simple, straightforward. And he adds an element I think can be expanded on even further. Moral judgment. Isn't that the product of our wisdom? To come to a moral conclusion, a moral judgment, and the catalyst to this is courage. Fear gets us to pull down deep and to come to a solution. And when time is not available, we can only pull out what we already have. So one who lacks morals, lacks moral judgment, lacks the capacity to make a moral action. So our courage will not be a moral courage, but either self-serving courage, fight for me, not for you, a survival, or a default to trust the authorities' solutions, lab coat guy. In studying history of authoritarians, I mean even in the present rise of global despotism, we've seen a few intellectual voices, masters of this field, wise men standing up against the authorities, pushing against their feudalism, whether it's localized or global, because they already had thought this through and developed their moral judgment. So their moral courage took their moral judgment into moral action. They did not succumb to fear because they were already strong in wisdom. It's not that they didn't trust their government. They trust, but they verified. And in their verification, they found corruption 
And because they held that strong moral foundation in their wisdom, they naturally stood up. Now, how did they get there? Like anything else, desire for morality is a must. And with a strong moral judgment or attitude, our resolve for morality will be at stubbornness heights. That boldness, lack of fear of others, lack of care for what happens to self, you can say is because of their fear of right. They would rather be dead than be evil. But not everyone is like that, which is why evil prevails. And not many will ever stand up, which is why the majority will always do evil's bidding. They're scared, they're afraid, they're anxious, they're fearful, because they have no real moral foundation. They just never thought this through. Maybe because they never really thought how to think. I mean, goodness, they were schooling in the house of terror. If you're struggling with fear, it's because you're not investigating what the alarm is responding to. Understand your fear and you will turn it into wisdom. I'm James, and you're listening to Noble Peasant, a podcast dedicated to touching nerves until they become steel. Thank you for listening. My aim and my hope is that you've learned something, and if you have something to add or to share, give me a note, noblepeasantpodcast at gmail.com. Our website is peasantpodcast.com, and if you'd like to tip us, go to buymeacoffee.com slash noblepeasant. Until next time, don't be afraid to fear. Fear.